We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Hello and welcome into this week's edition of Mizzou That's Who here on the KC Sports Network. Mizzou coming off of a homecoming victory over the Vanderbilt Commodores, 17-14. to 14. Never in doubt, always always thought that the Tigers were going to pull this one out on homecoming. Um, I'm joined, as always, by Gabe DeArmond and Maggie Johnson. Gabe, was it clear I was being sarcastic? It was. Um, okay, instead good. of me talking, can you just play the Rosie Perez clip from White Men Can't Jump over and over? You know, like sometimes when you lose, you really win. And sometimes when you win, you really lose. Yeah, I, I think that's a very appropriate um, synopsis, you could say, of this game. <laughs> uh, I was in attendance. Maggie, you were also in attendance. Thoughts on the game? I thought that was a good crowd. Uh, I thought the crowd was great. I think we hit 97% capacity, somewhere around 60,000, 62, I don't know, somewhere in there. So yeah, no issues with the crowd, except it was apparently gold rush. And I think everybody missed the memo. Um, <laughs> really, really the only uh, crowd issues that I had there, but homecoming was great. I did the parade. Um, I did, I tailgated, I did house decks the night before. So I really did the whole, the whole shebang. Um, the most, it's sad that I'm even saying this. The biggest letdown was us winning the game. <laughs> like, everything else was great, but I thought the worst case scenario would be us losing, which it still was. But the second worst case scenario is winning by a field goal. I, uh, I had a lot of people ask me prior to the game. Uh, they said, Tucker, Mizzou favored by 14 points. You're going to hit that Mizzou spread? And I said, absolutely not. Um, do not stay away. This team cannot beat any team by 14 points. I don't care if it's the uh, Kansas School of the Blind. They're not going to beat any team by 14 points. Um, but, no, I thought homecoming was great. I heard the parade was long. I heard the parade was like an hour it's and a half. It's really long. Like well, oh, they wow. have like like 12 high school bands thrown in there, too. So, I mean, that is. do it. And, I mean, however many sorority houses there are, it's a, it is a lot. And there's, it's political season, so there's also a lot of political floats. And I'm just like. Come on. <laughs> like, why, why do, why do people like parades though? It's very like, I don't get it. I, we went, when Missouri played in the cotton bowl, we went to the cotton bowl parade and my kids were five and 10 
And like there were adults bumping into them, bumping them out of the way to get to the front row of the cotton bolt. I'm like, you have a terrible existence. It's just a bunch of cars and vans walking by. They don't I mean, even throw out like, candy a lot of times. Well, they had a, so we went, I went with my friend um and her and her daughter and then like her husband and their son was in it because uh he plays for the Columbia Youth Football League. So we went there and the daughter loved it. I mean, we got coffee and you know, we chatted and it was it was great. Um and it was, you know, I don't love parades either. That's actually only the second time I've ever been to the homecoming parade. The first time I was there, I had to be there for my sorority right. <laughs> back in school. I've never went either. So I was like, okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But there were a lot more adults probably than kids. <laughs> yeah, I was told. Uh, so I didn't get into town until uh, Saturday morning. It was, it was after the parade got done. It was probably around like 1130 when I got into town. I was worried about traffic. Um, because I was, I was like, man, yeah. when I went to Manhattan, game day traffic burned me. So I was like, I'm not going to get burned again by game day traffic. But everybody must have came you, down. On you Friday. almost did on the way home. I did almost get almost burned. got literally burned. I literally almost got burnt. And the only thing that saved me is I stopped at Shakespeare's Pizza and had to wait an hour and a half for a pizza. <laughs> um, which like, I'm okay waiting an hour and a half for Shakespeare's Pizza. Right. I'll I'll do that. Um, and it was good just to kind of sit there. Uh, maybe sober up a little bit uh, as I'm sitting there <laughs> watching South Carolina play Texas A&M in a, the weirdest game of all time. But um, I'm sure you guys didn't tune into this podcast to hear how our Saturdays went. Um, you, who, well, maybe actually, maybe you know what? I don't want to speak too soon because this right. football team has not provided the most entertaining content to a watch or b talk about. Um, I think we should start with this Missouri offense. Um, and I was telling you guys this before the podcast, the screen that Luther Burden scored on, I once he scored, I was like, yes, that's what you have to do. Do that more. Run that touchdown play more. Um, and it seemed like one of those things where I was like, it seems like I, I, I'm pretty good at this. Uh, it seems like they should hire <laughs> me to do this. Um, but I don't know. The, the first Luther Burden score was exhilarating. I was in that south end zone, so he came towards me. Um, it was just basically ran right towards me. So it was a very exhilarating experience to see. Uh, Luther Burden score a touchdown, but um, overall thoughts on the offense hasn't gotten any better. I'll say that. No, the first half they looked competent. I, I didn't think they looked great, but right. I, I, I I don't have the stats in front of me anymore. But they were a pro, they were a little bit under, like halfway to what Vanderbilt's season averages are. They're giving up like forty points, and I don't know. 400 and some odd yards a game. And Missouri had a little less than half of that. So we said last week, the barometer was 30 points, right? If you can't get to 30 this week, your offense is broken. This offense, I mean, that second half, I, that was worse to me than the second and third quarter at Auburn when I just watched punts over and over and over because yeah. it was almost two offenses actively trying to lose a game. At least at Auburn, they were just punting. Here, it was like, oh, we're up 17, but we don't want to win. Will you please win? No, we also yeah. don't want to win because we're trying to get 14th in the SEC because we get the number one draft pick then, right? <laughs> so much I mean, out. four turnovers. And and granted, Pe it people was, keep it's... saying four. I don't remember four. Was... Were there four? I thought there were four. Weren't there four? 
I, the, there was the kickoff that was like weird that Missouri never got the ball. Oh my god! So I don't know if that counts as a fourth one. Whatever, there were a lot. I, I didn't mean, mean I feel like you off, I mean I feel like if yeah. you're not if three, four, whatever. If you go from offense to not offense, I count it as right. I count it as right. a turnover. Yeah, fair. Um, but I mean, holy Toledo, it was so bad, and I'm just like. At that one point, it was the the sack, and then immediately it was the wasn't it pretty quick after the the sack touchdown that they got the um. It the was, kickoff? I think, the ensuing kickoff. Back off, yeah, yeah back to because back. I wasn't even like, look. I didn't see the kickoff until the replay because I wasn't looking. Right, it was yeah because it went too quickly, and it was just you're just sitting there like, what is happening? It I it was like an out of body ex- experience yeah. almost. Like I just. I don't even have words. It was so bad. And it was like, the whole second half was like, if you said, okay, what's the one thing that can't happen here? That was what happened on every play. I I mean, the Nate Pete fumble, what are we doing? The, uh, and then right before Vanderbilt's only touchdown, I literally told the guy next to me, I said, they're one missed tackle away from being really, really nervous in this game. (laughs) literally 80 yards and, and yeah. like I don't even blame the defense it was the only bad play they made all night yeah the defense looked great I mean they've looked great all most of the season so I yeah do we don't even honestly have to talk about them that much defense the good fact that, yeah, way to go defense yes very good give them an a um but I man when that deep that defender le- like leaped over uh I think Cody Schrader and just <laughs> destroyed Cook. Oh man, that was bad. And sometimes though, you also have to, and this is really hard to do as a sports fan, but sometimes you just got to say, you know what, man, good play. Like mm-hmm. the one guy leaps over Schrader. The other guy comes through pretty much unblocked and they killed Brady and he dropped the ball, which I don't blame him for because <laughs> again, I'm amazed he's alive. Um, but like, that was a good play. I mean, Drinkwood said after the game, I probably shouldn't call a pass on third and 11 out of our own end. Yeah, fair, probably not. Um, but they made a play there. Yeah, you couldn't say much about the Missouri offense. Um, you, I remember that touchdown so vividly because uh, the, the Vanderbilt touchdown, because I was like, it was three or four missed tackles. And it was just like, oh, he's actually going to take this to the house. And it, like you could tell pretty quickly that like mm-hmm. he was going to score a touchdown on it. And it wasn't like a, a, a spectacular route or a really great throw. It was just like, what was well, going on? <laughs> there were two guys that just took like the wrong angle right away and yeah. he cut inside. And then I, I don't think anybody touched. There was him. nobody else there. Yeah. Yeah. No. It was, it was one of those deals. The kickoff also right in front of like, me. And I can just remember just like seeing the ball just sitting on the turf. That was a wild experience too. Just like on a kickoff, seeing the ball just <laughs> laying on the turf and being like, what is, what's going on? For those but of you that, that were that, not at the game, it was insanely windy. It was very windy. Like all day, it was. I was. I mean, I had a, like a sundress on, and I'm like holding it down all day. I was like, "This is a bad idea." But I mean, it was crazy, crazy windy. And I think you, if you watched Nevis's field goal at the missed field goal as well, you should hopefully have been able to tell that it was really windy out. It was like, field goal. Goal. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but this is all the problem of trying to play with an offense. Like, there is zero margin for error on this team. Mm-hmm. You can't have the missed field goal. You can't have the, the special teams mistake. You can't have 
I mean, your defense literally has to be perfect. They've basically given up one touchdown to Florida, one to Vandy, one to Auburn, and they're one and two in those games. You know, uh, there's zero margin for error. And if you just had an offense, like 2015's offense, they didn't do anything to help with, they were awful. They scored like nine points a game, right? But this offense in some ways is worse because they're actively doing things to hurt the, the team, to worsen the chances of winning with the turnovers and with just, like I said, just, what can you not here do here? Okay, let's let's go do that, guys. That's the plan. I'm sure it's not the plan, but right. I and so, and I like I mentioned at the top that people were asking me about like the spread, and they're like, "Well, Mizzou's defense could score," and I was like, "Yeah, well, Mizzou's offense could also allow the other defense to score." Um, <laughs> like that. That's also a very big possibility. So anytime when it comes to a Missouri spread, I'm not going to be incredibly optimistic um, about them even winning games because. If we look at the schedule that they have ahead, I don't. I mean, South Carolina. If if we're still talking about bowl games, which I can't quit it, so I'm still going to talk about bowl games. The Birmingham Bowl, if they really want to get to that one, they have to beat South Carolina. That's a must win, and then they have to collect a win out of Kentucky, uh, Arkansas, and I'm not even going to throw Tennessee in there. So they have to beat one of Kentucky or Arkansas, uh, and beat New Mexico State at the same time to get to six and six. That looks like a steep uphill climb to me. Uh, the Kentucky game was just announced, I believe, at the time, 11 a.m. kickoff. Yeah. Bad. Um, not great uh, for that game. Um, was I was thinking about going to that one, too, and then it was like an 11 a.m. kickoff, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to wake up that early to watch this team. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is a big must-win game. I don't know if Drinkwitz uh, – I had some people ask me about Drinkwitz's uh, – he's like, is his seat – get any cooler after this game debatably might've got warmer. Um, depends on how you, how you want to view it. I think it might've, I don't, I don't think this has helped his case to stay in Columbia any longer. Um, if he beats Tennessee, then we can have another conversation, but, uh, that's about it. I think the only thing that cools his seat down is if he does pull off a win against a team that he shouldn't beat, which let's be honest, Mizzou shouldn't beat any of the teams remaining on their schedule besides New Mexico state. Right. But it is worth saying, like, I, I spent three weeks basically telling anybody that said, but we should be five and one, that that didn't count and that that was a bad thing to say that bad teams say. So they did win this game. I, I mean, because look, Vanderbilt's no. terrible and it's nobody is engraving a 13th place trophy in the SEC for beating Vanderbilt by a field goal. But it's a hell of a lot better than the alternative because the discussion we're having if Missouri makes one less play in that game is it's ugly. I'm actually, I will, oh, sorry. I was going to say, I was actually surprised. There was one drive, um, the last drive of the end of the first half um, where we went down there and kicked a field goal. Yeah. I mean, it was promising at that point. I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, the offense may have turned around. I mean, it's Vandy, so they should be turning around. So, I mean, they know. turned they turned back around. They turned they just, back around. No, they, yeah, they, they, went, they went right back where they came from. <laughs> they do a reverse card. <laughs> They'll look like an actual football team for a little bit, and you're like, wait a second. Maybe we got something here. And then they stop looking like a football team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Listen, I don't I don't think that we should have to say that everything we're saying about this team is probably not directed towards the defense. Um it's more it's 
100% directed towards the offense. Um, and that's kind of the frustrating part, I think, as Missouri fans. We do we get spoiled on the offensive side of the ball some. You know, we've had some pretty good offensive players strut through uh, uh, Columbia, Tyler Beatty last year being one of them. Um, they've had a lot of good offensive players, um, especially on the offensive line. Had a lot of good, good offensive linemen. This probably isn't going to be considered the glory days of Missouri offensive line, um, which is is tough. And that kind of goes into the point that I want to talk about next is a lot of people want Sam Horn out there. I'm saying and I might be one of the biggest Sam Horn guys out there because I think at the beginning, one of the first podcasts we did, I said, hey, maybe Sam Horn should be a quarterback. Um, I threw that one out there. Um, and I've, I've been a big proponent for Sam Horn. I want, I want to see him succeed. I don't think it's, you're going to see him succeed if you put him out there in the situation that they that Missouri has now. Uh, you're going to put him in front of an offensive line that is porous at best, um, uh, in front of an offensive line that is dealing with health concerns, and you don't want to diminish the confidence of Sam Horn any any more than it could already by you know coming into camp late and then maybe not grasping the whole playbook um, and, and having those issues as well. So I think the the best case scenario is just to kind of let him feel out the, uh, this season um, and, and play when he's ready, when he's 100% ready, when he's confident, because confidence is a huge thing in college football. Confidence, momentum, those things are very big. But I'm curious to get, I mean, we talk about Sam Horn, I feel like, every single week. We talk about him playing in this game every single week, and they're like, oh, he could play this week, he could play that week, he could play against New Mexico. Um, if they get up by 15 points and it's a full moon, he could play against Kentucky. Um, it's stuff like that. And it's just, it's one of those things where you just got to kind of pump the brakes on them a little bit. But here's the difference between this week and every other week. Every other week, it's been us saying, yeah, he could play. Might see him this week. This week, it was the coaches. Like they yeah. told the TV guys, Sam Horn is playing. You know, I, I posted on Saturday morning. I expect to see Sam Horn. Dave Matter was told three series for Sam Horn. He was going, like they said, he's going to play. And then he didn't play. And I understand why he didn't, because I don't know what the appropriate time for him to play would have been. Like Brady Cook had you up 14-0 in the second quarter. You don't yank him there. He leads a two-minute drive. It's 17-0 at halftime. When do you put Sam in? And oh, by the way, they were one bad play away from losing that game. So what if he puts Sam Horn in and, and Horn makes that one bad play? The mistake was telling people beforehand he was going to play, mm-hmm. not not playing him. You know, um, once that was said on the TV broadcast, there was an expectation that just didn't be mad. I mean, I, I don't think Sam Horn fixes what's wrong with this offense, but I wouldn't be against playing him. Um, it, it's fine uh, if, if they decide. I, but my big thing is, They've had spring football, they've had all summer, they've had fall camp, and they've had eight weeks of the season. And Sam Horn's the third-string quarterback on this team. They obviously don't think he's ready to go out there, which kind of makes me wonder why he was going to play really on on Saturday. You know, but whatever. Um, I don't know. What if Sam Horn's not Trevor Lawrence? You know, (laughs) I mean, I'm serious. Like, this is all based on – Hey, we think Sam Horn's really good, and he might be, but I don't know. What proof is there of that? I mean, he's likely not a Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I would I would I would love for him to be, but uh, like I'd love for him to lead us to a national championship in his That'd be okay, freshman yeah. year, but we're, we're obviously looking like that's not gonna happen. So <laughs> I don't know. I I would I get what you're saying about the timing because it's like you're you're leading 17-0, and then Brady actually doesn't look horrible. I remember looking at 
his yeah. stats at one point in the first half. And I was like, oh, like his numbers look he, great. Like, yeah. why he would you take him out at that point? He was 15 of 19 for 195 yards in the first half. He made one awful throw. Right. But and, just I, one. and it was awful. It, um, was. it was really yeah. bad. But I mean, how do you take him out at that point? You, you can't. Right. So then you keep him in there playing and then Vandy comes back and then you can't put a freshman quarterback in when, so yeah, the timing of it was just off. And, you know, honestly, that's on our offense again, because if our offense plays well enough to get into deep into the third quarter, Sam Horn gets a chance to play, but that we had fumbles and interceptions and we don't get kickoffs. And I mean, (laughs) It's not, I don't, I can't even, you can't blame drink for uh, Sam Horn not being in the game. You can only blame our offense once again, who who has to take the blame for everything these days. And I'm very sorry. (laughs) They really do. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, uh, I think that that's kind of just a synopsis, kind of uh, maybe a microcosm of the game. Is it like we expected a whole lot more, but then... We expected to see Sam Horn, but then the offense didn't allow Sam Horn to get in. Uh, we expected to see a big win, but the offense didn't allow that. But um, let's turn the page. I this game is frustrating. Hopefully, we can get a little bit of reprieve here as Mizzou travels to Columbia, South Carolina. They have a gov. Is it called like the Governor's Cup or something like that? Governor's Trophy. Uh, they play for um, trophy rivalry here as they go take on the number 25 ranked South Carolina Gamecocks Mizzou can get a win against a ranked team um this year if they uh, are able to beat South Carolina coming off a big win against Texas A&M um which I don't know if you guys saw this play uh Texas A&M I can't remember who was in that quarterback at that point but he like went up to the line to go like adjust something in the center snapped it went off his face mask and a defensive <laughs> lineman picked it off yeah. just like i think i can't remember like mike golick jr i think or tweeted the, out the video and said god didn't want texas a&m to win. <laughs> um which is kind of a scenario it seems like that happens a lot in mizzou games it seems like god doesn't want mizzou to win um a lot of times you know what just be i mean mizzou fans can look down to college station and be like 
could be worse. Yeah, you we could, could be we could have been we could have been number five in the country and had this season because they've had the exact same season. <laughs> They're both three and four. That. Neither one of them can score. Both fan bases want an offensive coordinator. At least it doesn't cost Missouri eighty-five million dollars to make a move if they wanted to. It's true. Uh, Mizzou also didn't have. Did Mizzou have? I was going to say something about the recruiting classes, but Mizzou might have had a better recruiting class than AM. I don't remember. No, AM had number one in the country. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but well, Mizzou I mean, was I number think, 12. Um, yeah. you know, I think and, Texas uh, AM had the greatest recruiting class in the history of recruiting classes, I think, based on stars or some, like something like that. Like it was crazy. I'm sure their NIL numbers how's, were. How's that going? That's right. It's not going well. Well, Nick Saban remember was saying that he was paying a bunch of players millions of dollars, and they got in a little they got in a little argument, a little spat at the beginning a of the season, a little tiff. Um, but yeah, this game, Spencer Rattler and the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks pose a pose a large threat for this Missouri Tigers team. What are your first thoughts? First, first kind of takeaways from this matchup, Gabe. I mean. Everybody poses a large threat right now to Missouri, right? I, yeah. Like the first look is South Carolina is they're okay. Um, they don't scare you. It's a winnable game for Missouri. But here's the difference in where Missouri is and where South Carolina is. They have found ways to win games. Missouri largely hasn't. Now Missouri did last week, and I keep going back and forth between like, hey. Well, it's only Vandy. It doesn't count. Well, literally all you have to do is beat teams that aren't that good and you're going to a bowl game, right? I beat six Vandys and you're four Vandys and two like Vandy pluses and you're going to a bowl game every year. So I don't want to completely take away credit for last week, but just Missouri hasn't shown me anything that tells me they can win again. Like, this is Auburn again. This is Florida again. South Carolina might be a little bit better than those teams because I think they have a little more confidence. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I mean, they beat Kentucky without Will Levis. They beat the most disappointing team in America. They've beaten bigger names than Missouri has, um, certainly. And it's there. I don't know if you guys have noticed Missouri tends to do poorly when the game is not at their own stadium. So... Bit, I don't know. I I would not say that I would not say that my confidence is at Shane Beamer levels uh in the Missouri football team right now. We did we did win there a couple of years ago. Um yeah. I will say tw- the 2020 season. Uh we've we've beat them 3 years in a row now. So I mean, it's not that we can't win this game. And we were talking about this before the we went live. Um Spencer Rattler's not anything to write home about. He went 12 for 25 with one touchdown. Uh, really, what happened in the South Carolina game was they ran off the opening kickoff, 100 yards. Then the next drive, they I think they got a interception, and then one was a fumble recovery, and they were up. They were up. I think 17. 17 nothing. Zero. Like six minutes. Which, yeah, I think it said like five minutes. So I mean, that's Texas A&M not being prepared, which. And and that's what makes you worried. Like, yes, Texas A&M beat itself at South Carolina. What has Missouri done over and over this year? Beat themselves. Absolutely beat themselves. 100%. Yeah, we can't go in there and dig a hole like Texas A&M did. We'll never get out of it. We 
I mean, okay, I shouldn't say that because we got out of the Auburn hole and we got out of the Florida hole. So I shouldn't say that. Not all the way, though. Yeah, but not enough. I mean, not enough to push us over the edge. And I even put this down like on my notes. I was like, does beating Dandy even count as because we kept talking about we need the dam to break? And I'm like, then we didn't even break the dam. <laughs> like, like oh, that's what we wanted. We needed that win. And then it's just like, I can't even count it. Yeah. <laughs> like I count it as a win, but I can't count it as the damn breaking. Right. Not a moral victory. It's a victory, but not a moral one. Um, I was just looking up over moral here. Moral losses should be a thing. <laughs> it's a moral loss. Uh, Missouri at South Carolina. Looking at kind of uh, our friends at DraftKings have the odds out. That is a five-point favorite for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Um, personally, I think it should probably be a little bit more. But, like, Missouri plays close games. They do. I mean, there's no reason to expect Missouri to get blown out in this game. Right. They've played everybody in the SEC close, so I can understand why the line what it is what it is. I'm expecting it to be some weird game because you think about Texas, or you think about South Carolina, I think about the the monsoon we had. I think of last year when we were up three touchdowns, I think we won by three or something ridiculous. Um, the, the field goal, obviously, the everybody kit. knows the Baggett field goal. So, I mean, I expect it to be some weird, like someone wins by a safety or something. Like, that's just how I expect South Carolina games to go. And, of, it, of course, it'll probably be a safety against us. So. Put it but out we'll there, have a picture of Brady Cook laying in the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, it is going to be a weird game. There's only weird games played. Uh, South Carolina, Mizzou. Um, I, I, I have... They, I think they have to win this game if they want any shot at making a bowl game, right? Um, a lot of people have given up on the bowl game. I'm still on bowl game watch. Like, hey, uh, it's, it's like the, the Charlie gif from Always Sunny where he's got the – about the mail. He's got all this stuff. That's me with bowl game scenarios. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, if this team down. loses right here and then Mizzou has to win this right here. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. I- all the time. I did see Brett McMurphy tweet out this morning. There should, there could be a record number of losing teams who are invited to a bowl game this year. Huge for Mizzou. That's an absolute. <laughs> I can't see them looking at Mizzou and being like, "This is a team that we want to be in a bowl." Like- no, but once you get to five and seven, it's like about APR. Mm-hmm. It's not about yeah. what they want. It's like the Little Caesars Bowl just t- takes the the best APR team or whatever. Ooh, little Caesars Bowl. <laughs> that could be a travel one. That's got to be in like Detroit, right? Yeah, nothing. Um, it's a hundred percent in Detroit. It's not the Little Caesars Bowl anymore, but that's where it is. <laughs> I'll have to look up uh, what Mizzou's APR is. Um, but I, I think that if so, it feels like every single week. I was just thinking about this. It feels like every single week, this is the biggest game of Eli Drinkwitz tenure at Mizzou, right? Like the. Let's be honest. The Vanderbilt game was kind of a kind of, was a big yeah. game for him. If he lost that game, that was a big game. I don't think that this South Carolina game, win or lose, is going to be swing so much of that momentum in one way. A South Carolina win is not going to say, "All right, re-sign drink for five more years," um, and a loss isn't going to cut him immediately. Um, so that's that's good about this game. <laughs> As we can look at the positive yeah. side of that, it's good. Um, hopefully we get to see a little bit more Luther Burden. I enjoyed seeing Luther Burden in space on, on Saturday. I enjoyed to cool. see those athletes do some athletic things. A bunch of people asked like why he didn't touch the ball in the second half. And he, I'm curious why the wildcat has, has gone yeah. in, the, in the pantry or whatever, but also understand Missouri threw six passes in the second half. 
Luther Burden and Dominic Lovett, largely, like I've looked at the snap counts, about 70% of their snaps are pass plays. They are not on the field when Missouri is running the ball because, I mean, I assume because they aren't as good at blocking as Mookie Cooper, Barrett Bannister, Towski Dove, maybe Makai Miller. So that's why he didn't get the ball. And again, yes, you should probably try to get him the ball a little bit more, especially when he does what he did in the first half. But that's the explanation for it. But like you're talking about this game. I mean, I hate that we're here in week seven, but it just feels like it's all, it's about next year now. Like, and yeah, they may get to six and six, but even at six and six, I feel like most of the fan base is still going to go into next year going, well, I still don't really know. I still didn't learn anything. I don't feel, I don't know enough to, to say I'm optimistic about the future. And that was worst case scenario for this year is it's just, there needs, and it's why we'd like to see Sam Horn. You'd like to have something to hang your hat on to say, hey, I see it. I mm-hmm. see the progress. Like maybe not even in the win loss record, but there's hope. I, I just feel like Missouri's fans right now, and I, over the years, have gotten a reputation for the guy that craps on Missouri fans. Kudos to all, to you guys and all 60,000 people. You showed up for freaking Vanderbilt for one of the worst games I've ever sat through in my entire life on Saturday. Like, this team has given fans almost no reason to show up, and they did. And and I truly think Missouri deserves credit and the athletic department deserves credit for whatever they've done to make that happen. But I just think there's a whole bunch of fans out there going, like, do something to make me want to come back. And And I don't know what they've done yet. I think a lot of it has to do with now with NIL and the ability to leave so easily on, in the transfer portal, like I think a lot of those people that are saying, I don't have a reason to come are the people that are sitting at home. And I think that the people that are there are like, we need to show this team that we're supporting them through this hard year so that they want to come back for a good year. Like I, I honestly believe that. And I mean, I've talked to so many fans that are like, we we can't give up on our team like you see people do because if we pull the Missouri fans who have done that throughout the years, these guys are just going to leave. And who would blame them? You know, you have to give them a reason to want to be there. And playing in an environment like the Georgia game is going to give players a reason to want to be there. But you have to give the fans a reason to want to be there. I, I don't disagree with that. And what did Saturday do? to give fans a reason to want to come. I'm being serious. Like it is on. I think it sucks for a college sports fan that they're the ones that get the blame. If the team isn't good. Well, maybe if you would show up, maybe if you would pay our players. Uh, Yeah. We made $180 trillion last year, but that's not enough. We can't pay them. You have to pay them. And it's your fault. If Luther burden transfers and it's your fault. If this kid goes somewhere else. No, the team has to do something to convince the fans that that's worth their time. You know, um, I, I mean, Tennessee fans, and I understand they were five and zero and all that, but their team that that scene in Knoxville a couple weeks ago, there are going to be people talking about that in forty years. I remember that night. That's a reason. Missouri fans need that reason because they haven't gotten it for eight years, and that's not their fault. I mean, there were more people there, honestly, than should have been there on Saturday. And I think, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna crap on Missouri fans the rest of this year. And 
they lose people to NIL or whatever, put a better team out there. That That's not the fans' fault. And I would agree with that. As someone, you know, you know, Maggie, you're driving two hours to games. I'm driving two hours to games. It's it's in the middle of the two of the major markets of the city, uh, especially being on this side of Missouri. There's a lot more Kansas fans on the on the on the, uh, on the Kansas City side of things, and their their team has given them a reason to show up to games. Right to the Kansas fans' credit, people are on this podcast aren't gonna like to hear that they weren't showing up a whole lot. And once their team did good, they did show up and they supported that team. And Missouri fans will too. They will. They will. If if they get good, but they have to do something. Yes. Yeah. They do, and it's that's kind of the most frustrating part and, is I, I want to support. And, them, and the disappointing part is six and six isn't that. Like even if it's even if it's three more, I guess that'd be three more wins. All right. I mean that's kind of the bare minimum expectation. I mean it's what we did last year, so we're not improving. Right. Right. <laughs> Same, pretty same. Yeah, and it just goes back through. I, I feel like, I mean, it's again, it's back to Sam Horn. It's unfair to the kid. I think so much of this program and the future of what happens here is on him next year. Yeah, and it's going to be, it's not going to be good if unless they don't get seven new offensive linemen in the transfer portal either. Um, <laughs> they have to completely revamp their offensive line room. I, I I don't think it's any fault of the coaching staff. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, but I think that um, they need some talent rehaul in that offensive line department. If you're going to feel comfortable tr- trotting out your quote unquote franchise quarterback out there um, to try to make a difference in this university's trajectory of where this program is heading, because it's not heading. Let's be honest. It's not heading in the best spot right now. Um, it's not trending in, in the right direction. I don't think. There are, thi- be- there are ways to scheme around an offensive line. Mike Leach did That's it for true. a long time. I mean, I remember when Josh Heupel got to Missouri, like basically he was doing things under the premise that I don't have any offensive tackles. Like I, I've got to scheme something to not get my quarterback killed. And I don't think that's a change you can make in week eight, but it might have to be a change you make before next year. Yeah, I think it'll be also important as well to keep those those wide receivers in the, in the room because Sam's not going to be successful if he's not throwing to talent. I mean, you look at all the, the years that Mizzou has been great and look at their wide receivers. I mean, the, they're not going to be able to win games regardless if they have a good quarterback or not. They're not going to be able to win games without a talented core. And I want to say, like, and I said this on our site last week, my concern level that Luther Burden is going to play anywhere but Missouri next year is very low. I I have very, very high expectations that he is going to play his college football at Missouri and only at Missouri. He tweeted after the game. Yeah, it was a a cool picture. It was a cool picture. Uh, yeah, no, I retweeted. I'm like, we love you too. Um, <laughs> but, but like you saw like a couple weeks ago, I think after the Georgia game, I think his his grandmother was in town and um, mm-hmm. he posted some photos and that's exactly why he's here. He's got a large family. His family is close. His grandmother probably, probably, I mean, it is part of it. We know, we know, what the, <laughs> we know what the other part is. Come on. I, I mean, again, kudos to the fans, right? There you go. Right. That's what we're talking about. Exactly. No, exactly. There's reasons buy the, he's buy here. Buy the potato chips. Yeah, but uh, everybody is. I see them everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's posting them. So, yeah, 
I'm I'm anxious about what the the rest of the year holds. Um, I'm excited to see this uh, Missouri game versus South Carolina. I don't know if I should be excited. It's kind of a fool's errand at this point to get excited for a Missouri football game. But nevertheless, I find myself doing it every single week. Maybe instead of predicting the uh, score, we should just pick against the spread. Um, Mizzou, five points. What do you think, Gabe? Um, I don't know if you, if your employer condones gambling or not. but uh, uh, I mean, we pick games every week against the spread. Um, I've done it go. very poorly for Missouri this year. Um, but no, I would not pick this team to cover on the road in this game. I, I just, I mean, every, everything I've seen tells me they play hard and make one mistake that's going to get them beat. Yeah, I agree. I think um, at the closest, it's a, it's a touchdown. I don't see it being uh, one of us wins by a field goal. I think it'll be similar to the Florida game. Like if we were going to pick scores, I was going to be like 24, 17 (laughs) or to our, you know, Missouri is going to be somewhere between 14 and 17 at this point. That's the bet, right? Yeah. Yeah. We outdid ourselves against Georgia. That's the sweet spot. (laughs) It's uh, it's how many touchdowns is the defense scores, the variable there. Um, (laughs) Really it's going to be, but I'm going to, I'm going to side with you guys. I think that, I'm going to take South Carolina minus the five. Um, it seems like this has a touchdown game written all over it at least. But, um, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this week's edition of Mizzou. That's who I hope we uh, installed a lot of confidence. In Everybody feels so confidence. much better than they did when they started listening. <laughs> yeah. They turned off like 30 minutes. They're like, I don't know who these idiots are, but this was awful. I feel terrible about myself. I was supposed to feel good about this team. Now I feel worse. Let's wait till basketball season. Uh, All right. So next week we'll be back uh, talking about Kentucky. Uh, Hopefully Will Levis is out again. That's the only shot that we'll have in Kentucky. Uh, There's your early preview. Um, All right. That's enough for this podcast. Thank you guys all for tuning in, listening all the way to the very end. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.